This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Listen to AMI audio right from your TV, folks. Source custom source cable channel uh, 110. You guys can find us over there, and TBTL. Uh, IPTV, look for us on channel 1112, please. Visit ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. And we're getting into Curious Minds as we do every month with Christine Malik. What did, whatever happened to you? What does that mean? How does that work? Oh, I didn't know that. I never knew. I'm Christine Malik, and this is Curious Minds, a monthly dive into arts and culture from a blindness perspective. So, Chris, it's exciting because we get a little bit of a part two. We're continuing this conversation about a website um, called Sensing the Dynamic Universe, and it's making astronomy more accessible for people uh, with lower no vision or a lot of other people, I guess. Tell us more. Yeah. So, you know, there's never been a better time to be a kid, if you ask me, and to be blind (laughs) and considering a career in STEM because there's so much going on. If this stuff had been around when I was a kid, I'd be an astrophysicist. Right. (laughs) So last month we heard from... (laughs) First blind lady on the moon. Don't get me started. (laughs) Um, So last month we heard part one of a conversation I had with Paul Green and Afra Ashraf from the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory. And their website is about variables. And these are objects in the sky that change uh, in appearance, though possibly not in form or distance. So it's complex stuff. Um, What they are doing is to make their website more accessible. They've added some sonifications. And these sonifications are... They're a little more simple than some of the ones that, say, NASA is doing, which makes them way more accessible mentally to me, if you ask me, because this is really hard stuff. So in mm-hmm. part one, we talked about what variables are uh, with Paul and Afra, and today we're they're going to guide us through some examples, and you'll get to hear a sonification. But I recommend go to the website because it's hard stuff. I have to listen to this stuff and read it multiple times before I get it, but it's super rewarding. So it's Sensing the Dynamic Universe, and the link will appear in the show notes. So uh, let's give a listen to part two of my conversation. What I'd love to do is to take a few examples of sonifications you've done. Have um, have one of you explain in detail, and the website's very good at this, but to have one of you explain in detail what the phenomenon is, uh, maybe a bit about how it was observed, what the data points represent, and how how those were plotted with sound, and then to play the audio file. So, um, Afra, do you have some examples that you can you can uh, outline for us? Type one A supernovae. These are very common. They're super well known, and it's when a white dwarf, it's a, which is a kind of star, it. it's in a binary system so there's another star near it and it keeps pulling mass into itself and that triggers a huge explosion and this collapse because white dwarves they are typically very similar chemically speaking this collapse always happens at the same exact mass which means they all these type 1a supernovae have the exact same brightness all the time so astronomers call type 1a supernovae standard candles 
because the apparent brightness, what we see from Earth, is going to be different depending on how far away it is. The farther away something is, the dimmer it looks. The closer away, it, the closer it is, the brighter it looks. But we know that the intrinsic brightness, how bright it is actually, will always be the same. So that way we can calculate the distance to different type 1a supernovae. And that means that things around a certain type 1a supernovae, we can figure out how far away it is. So a light curve of a type 1a supernovae, it will slowly seem to get brighter and brighter. And then there's the peak of the explosion. So that's the brightest it will get. And then it'll slowly get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And that's what the brightness of a supernovae looks like over time. And so we can play that in a video and you can hear it get to the point of explosion. And then finally you can hear the peak and then it'll dim. When we listen to it, what are the data points? Like how how is time passing? Right. So the x-axis is corresponding to the modified Julian day, which is a measurement of time in days. And this is spanning over the course of 450 days. And these observations were taken in 2011 all the way into 2012. And there were 343 observations of this supernova occurring. As, as Alfred said, that the data was taken over a long time, about 450 days. And it, we've shrunk the uh, sonified video down to... Um, uh, about 45 seconds. So 10 days is compressed into one second in this video as it plays across. Ah, thank you. That's helpful. Okay. Uh, so let's listen to that video. Paul, can you give us another sonification? Describe what the phenomenon is uh, and how the data was used and sonified. Sure. Um, there, you know, there's different, all different kinds of variables, and that's that's um, partly what motivated us to put together the sensing the dynamic universe projects. There's so many different ways that a star or uh, another celestial object can vary. And uh, sometimes things actually do vary and sometimes they only appear to vary, oh. right? So the example that we just heard, the supernova, <clears throat> is a star that actually did vary. It actually exploded and got much, much brighter and then slowly dimmer. Um, but there are things that appear to get dimmer and brighter when that's not what's really happening. So those are called extrinsic variables, things that truly get 
uh, brighter or dimmer are intrinsic variables and things that only appear that way are called extrinsic variables. So the supernova is a great example of an intrinsic variable. And a great example of an extrinsic variable is a binary star. So what's a binary star? Lots of stars are born in pairs or sometimes even triples. Fully half of the stars in the universe uh, exist in binaries. They have a twin and the two stars orbit each other. Sometimes that orbit is tilted relative to us in such a way that it's, it's inclined at 90 degrees so that during the orbit of these two stars around each other, one star will temporarily block from our view part or all of the light from the other star. Mm -hmm. So basically when we're looking at the system, it's so far away that it looks like it's one star. You cannot see the separation between the two because they, they're, thousands uh, of light years away in many cases. Mm -hmm. So uh, what you see is a star that looks like it's getting brighter and fainter. Really what's happening is uh, it's an eclipsing binary system. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're seeing the light from both stars and then one star goes behind the other and you're seeing the light from the brighter star and then it comes around again and then you're seeing the light only from the fainter star. So this this is called an eclipsing binary, and um, it so it gets brighter and fainter. And when you measure those changes, you can use uh, a particular analysis technique um, just to find out how often it happens. In other words, what is the period of the orbit? Ah. Some stars rotate uh, orbit around each other very quickly. Uh, as quickly as even a few hours in some cases. Um, But most uh, take longer. And what we have here that I'm going to play is an example of an eclipsing binary where we have measured that orbital period and taken every measurement and put it in its proper place in the orbit. That's called phasing the light curve. So I'm going to play a phased light curve of an eclipsing binary. And uh, that gives us um, a picture of how the system gets brighter and fainter because of the eclipsing. So can you break down the sounds and the time and what they mean? So the, the sounds represent actual measurements taken with uh, an actual telescope. And it's a measurement of the brightness of the binary system of the the stars. And uh, the brightness, I I think people have an intuitive feeling for that, that, uh, that, that means the amount of energy that's coming from the star that reaches us. And so we're plotting the amount of energy as it changes with time. So uh, the amount of energy is portrayed in these wacky astronomical units called magnitudes on the vertical Mm y-axis. And across the horizontal x-axis, we're playing a version of time that we call the phase. And that uh, a phase of one 
means an, an entire orbit has been completed. A phase of two means that two entire orbits have been completed. So um, we measure the period, the orbital period of this star, and then uh, we play those brightness points um, along the x-axis in phase, which corresponds basically to time. Now, these sonifications uh, can be found on the Sensing the Dynamic Universe website. So, Afra, I'm curious, what are your ambitions for the website? Where would you like it to grow? Where would you like it to go? What do you want it to accomplish? Right. So our goals for the website are for it to serve as an educational tool. Um, we specifically want to make the site as easy to access as possible for educators. So we're hoping that High school teachers, intro to astronomy, college professors can use this and use it in their classes as a way for their students to access the data quickly and easily. And we're also hoping for the general public, anyone who's curious or interested in astronomy from a citizen science perspective, to not only learn about these astrophysical phenomena, but see directly the data that the telescopes have observed and feel like really connected to the science itself. I just want to say again that I love the sonifications. The simplicity is really refreshing and clear. Um, the The link will be in the show notes. Can you just sort of verbally tell us the website? www.cfa, uh, which stands for Center for Astrophysics, .harvard edu slash sdu awesome stuff really great as we uh, work our way uh, with christine's those those interviews are just tremendous when she gets people who know the stuff so well rum incredible yeah and the thing is um as Christine was kind of talking about in her introduction, it's fantastic where this accessibility is going. There, mm -hmm. there still seems to be some work around and some, you know, making this possible for to be talked about with accessibility. But if there was enough when we were growing up, oh, would any of us be in STEM right now? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. This is Christine Malik with Curious Minds, of course, and she joins us on the third Thursday of every month. Momentarily, folks, it's the weekly roundtable. Our guest this week is Jillian Gillis, AMI-TV reporter in Halifax, who will be with us. Stick around. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.